things look different depending on where you sit. And sometimes things in our lives look a whole bunch worse from where we sit than from where God sits. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're looking at the transitions we travel through in life and discovering that there is indeed a light at the end of the tunnel. So let's head into God's Word and please do stay tuned because in just a few minutes I'll be telling you about Christianity Works free daily devotional. It's called Fresh and it's all about helping you draw closer to Jesus and become all that he made you to be. I was recently confronted with a situation that really tested my faith. You see, I don't want you to think that just because I happen to be this smooth voice on the radio that I somehow get an exemption stamp in my passport from turbulence on the journey. In fact, probably the opposite is the case. Because I'm out here sharing the fantastic news of Jesus with people all around the world week after week through these radio programs, our enemy the devil has got me in his sights. I've got a target painted on my chest as far as he's concerned. So here's what was going on. There was one particular country, one of the world's most populous countries, where our team had been working to get these programs on air onto a radio station with a huge listening audience. The daily audience for the program was going to be over a million people. That's actual listeners. That's kind of a big deal. I mean, one listener is a big deal to me. A million? I can't even imagine that many people. It's a big deal. We'd been working for two years on this project, including finding translators and a voice to record these messages in a local vernacular language. It's quite an investment of time and effort and money. And then the day came when finally the radio network in question accepted the program and placed it in a prime time slot. Amazing stuff. We rejoiced, we gave thanks. Really, it had been such a long road and so much was at stake. So many lives, so many people to hear the good news of Jesus. Wow. But on the first day we were due to go to air, they told us, well, we can accept the program for the moment, but in a few weeks' time we're having a review of all externally provided programs and we don't know what that's going to mean. When our team in that country got in touch with me to tell me the news, they were gutted. I, mean, I can understand how they felt, all that effort, and now all of a sudden the whole thing was back up in the air again. Devastating. What would happen? I'll share my reaction to that whole situation with you in a moment. But first, I want to go to what Isaiah has to say in the situations just like that. Remember, if you've been listening to us these past few programs, you'll know that Israel has been in slavery in Babylon for 70 years, since around 586 or 587 BC. And God comes to them through the prophet Isaiah and brings them the good news that he's about to set them free, that they're about to return to the promised land. Whoop, you'd think. But just like you and me, when everything's bleak, they struggled to digest the good news. You know what it's like. When all your circumstances are screaming gloom and doom at you, it's very hard to believe that something good is actually going to happen. Even if you believe in God, even if you put your trust in Jesus, even if you've heard a million sermons about trusting God, when your Goliath comes stomping into your life with weapons of mass destruction pointed at you, uh, believing God is there to protect you and that, that God has a good plan for you, that's really hard. It was hard for Israel way back then, and it's hard for us today, here and now. So here's what God has to say to his people through the prophet Isaiah. Have a listen. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 12. 
For you shall not go out in haste, and you shall not go in flight, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. You see, they were going to leave Babylon and their slavery behind. But how does that actually happen, they've been wondering. Babylon is the global world power of the day, the most fearsome and powerful of all armies. Are they going to have to run for their lives? Are some of us going to be killed? How's this going to happen? It's all well and good for Isaiah to be carrying on with all this good news. What if he's wrong? What if God doesn't show up to help us? (laughs) Have those thoughts ever crossed your mind when you're between a rock and a hard place? Yeah, well, Israel too. And so God points back to a time when he's done exactly the same thing for them. He's pointing back to a time in their history that every man and woman and child knows from top to bottom, inside out, back to front, because it's been handed down to them from generation to generation for centuries. God points back to the Exodus, of course, to their escape from Egypt. Remember, they fled and God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And so the greatest army of that time, the Egyptians, came after them. In front of them was the Red Sea, an uncrossable body of water for a million or so men, women and children. Behind them, coming up fast, was the mightiest army in the world. Here it is, Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 and 22. But the Lord went in front of them in a pillar of cloud by day and led them along the way in a pillar of fire by night to give them light so that they might travel by day and by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So God went ahead of them. But what about the rear as the Egyptians closed in? Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 to 21. The angel of the Lord who was going before the Israelite army moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel. And so the cloud was there with the darkness and it lit up the night and one did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. You see, there it is. God went ahead of them, but he also came behind them. He led them and opened the way, but he also protected them from an attack from the rear. So when he promises now all these centuries later to do exactly the same as the Israelites leave Babylon, what is it that he's doing? Is he asking them to rely on blind faith? Is he asking them to to somehow conjure up courage that they don't have? No. He's asking them to look back at what he's already done. That's the amazing thing about God. He never takes us to the point where we can't take it. Each challenge he comes through. And so the next time, when the challenge is bigger and scarier than last time, he calls us to look back on what he's already done in our lives. See, we forget that each time. We forget he's already proven himself faithful and true. Oh, yeah, he did that last time. Of course, in fact, as I look back, he's always come through. He's always been there. He's always somehow made a way for it to happen. Wow. And there is the bedrock of our faith this time. When I heard the bad news about the radio program in that country, my reaction was this. We have seen this happen so many times. Today, God has tens of millions of people listening to this very same program that you're listening to in 160 countries around the world. There are so many times when we shouldn't have ended up on stations, and yet God went ahead of us and opened the door. There are so many times when this ministry should have folded because there weren't the resources to keep going, 
but he brought up the rear. He trained me to trust him over and over and over again by constantly putting me between a rock and a hard place and then showing up and making things happen like only he can. After a while, even someone as spiritually thick as me starts to get it. See, we don't have to listen to the theory. God plans for us to put it into practice over and over again. And then he shows up and proves himself true. He proves himself faithful. He teaches us in our experience that this verse is absolutely true. For you shall not go out in haste, and you shall not go in flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. He's teaching us to stop sweating it. He's teaching us that every transition and trial and temptation that he is faithful, that he is true. What an awesome dad. What an awesome God. I remember a time in my life where not only could I not begin to imagine a better future, but actually I didn't even dare to hope for a better future because I didn't want to set myself up to be disappointed. You know what I mean? I've heard all that palaver that life is what you make it, you can do anything you want to do, you can be anyone you want to be. It's a lot of rubbish. Sure, hard work pays dividends. Sure, we can achieve amazing things. But even the strongest, most gifted and competent man and woman are going to run into situations that are way beyond them, situations that are overwhelming, and situations that cause them to lose hope and to lose sight of the future. And interestingly, it doesn't even have to be some major devastating cataclysmic event either. Sometimes we lose our sense of a better future simply because of the drudgery and the dull ache of life circumstances as they eat away at us day after day, like Chinese water torture. They drain the life out of us, and in doing so, they extinguish the small flame of hope that may have been there in our hearts. Ever been there before? Well, as we've seen in the program so far today, that's where the nation of Israel was when God sent Isaiah the prophet to call them out of slavery into Babylon, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, to tell them it's about to happen. After 70 years as slaves, God is about to set them free. You know, there are a lot of difficult jobs on this earth, a lot of jobs I really wouldn't want to do. But the job that God gave to Isaiah would have to be, in my view, one of the toughest of all. Because God sent Isaiah to proclaim the absolutely impossible to the Israelites. Can you imagine their response after 70 years, a lifetime for most of them and more, in slavery to the dominant world power of the day, the Babylonians, under oppression in brutal servitude? And some joker comes along and says, Hey, listen, listen to me, everybody. It's all going to be okay. God is going to save us. He told me so. I know. I know it's true. They'd be thinking to themselves, who does this guy think he is? Can't he see nothing's changed? Can't he see we're in change and we're being beaten by the Babylonians and, and they have this big, mighty army and our situation is completely hopeless? I say, you're nuts if you think that God is going to save us now after all this time. Hey, that's how I would have been thinking. Because, you see, our present reality almost always trumps our hope, even our hope in God. Our present reality is sometimes so powerfully real, so, so powerfully here and now, and God seems so silent in those difficult times. Have you noticed that? 
Now, I've come to understand and appreciate the reason for his silence. I know these days, after having been around this mountain of suffering and uncertainty and hopelessness a few too many times, way too many times, that God's silence is his call to us to exercise some faith, to grow that muscle of faith that's become weak and flabby through its underuse. And so often after a prolonged silence, God will say something that grabs my attention. It's almost like he's shouting to rouse me, to wake me up, to shake me into my senses again. And that's exactly what he did with Israel through the prophet Isaiah. He keeps saying, in fact, three times in chapter 51 of the book of Isaiah, which we've been looking at in this series, God says, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, verses 1, 4, and 7. You can go and check it out. Listen to me. And when he gets their attention, The next thing he does is he shakes them and he says, wake up, wake up to the future that I have planned for you. And I'm hoping and praying that through today's message, he's doing some shaking and waking in your life and mine as well, just quietly. Let's hear what God has to say through his word, Isaiah chapter 51, verses 17 to 23. Rouse yourself, rouse yourself. Stand up, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk at the hand of the Lord, the cup of his wrath who have drunk to the dregs of the bowl of staggering. There is no one to guide her among all the children she has borne. There is no one to take her by the hand among all the children she has brought up. These two things have befallen you. Who will grieve with you? Devastation and destruction, famine and sword. Who will comfort you? Your children have fainted. They lie at the head of every street like an antelope in a net. They are full of the wrath of the Lord and the rebuke of your God. Therefore hear this, you who are wounded, who are drunk, but not with wine. Thus says your sovereign Lord, the Lord your God, who pleads the cause of his people. See, I have taken from your hand the cup of staggering. You shall drink no more from the bowl of my wrath. And I will put it into the hand of your tormentors, who have said to you, bow down that we may walk on you, and you have made your back like the ground and like the street for them to walk over. Rouse yourself, rouse yourself, wake up, God cries to his people through Isaiah. And then notice what he says first as he's shaking them by the shoulders and waking them up from their sleep of unbelief. He paints the picture of their suffering. He tells them exactly what they're going through. I know that you've drunk from the cup of my wrath, that you're staggering under the load, that you feel abandoned and leaderless. I know that devastation and destruction and and famine and sword have hit you. And there seems to be no one to comfort you, no one to lead you. I know all of that. I get it, says God. I haven't missed it. It hasn't gone unnoticed. In fact, it was I who inflicted it upon you. God is setting the record straight, telling the history the way it really happened, letting his people know that he's noticed, that he gets it, that he understands. And I hope and pray that as you're listening to his word today, that you're hearing him speak into your circumstances. He gets it. He's noticed. It hasn't escaped his attention. And now that you know that he knows and that he understands, this is what he has to say to you. Listen, now that you're awake, because this is important. Verse 21. Therefore hear this, you who are wounded, who are drunk, but not with wine. Thus says your sovereign Lord, the Lord your God who pleads the cause of his people. See, I have taken from your hand the cup of staggering. You shall not drink from the bowl of my wrath. Anymore. He gives them the facts of what he's doing. He gives them a vision for the future. He speaks hope into their hearts, and it's a strong word from the Lord. Therefore, hear this Thus says your sovereign Lord, your God, I have taken the cup of suffering away from you, and you will drink of it no more. 
powerful stuff. And I know that this word is a word in due season for some of you, perhaps for you today. God is speaking a certain hope into your heart. I don't know how he's going to take the cup away from you, just as the Israelites had no idea that in background, in a place they couldn't see, God had already raised up Cyrus, king of Persia, to defeat the Babylonians, to knock them off their perch. And what's more, this pagan Cyrus, whom God refers to through Isaiah as his anointed or Messiah, has a heart to restore the Israelites to their land. How? Where? How did that happen? What? is probably what the Israelites were thinking when it all started to unfold. How? Certainly nothing they did. But God, God was at work, bringing it to pass that which he'd promised here through his prophet Isaiah. And that's the thing. So often you and I have no idea how God's going to deliver us, how God's going to knock over this obstacle, how God's going to set us free. We don't know how. We don't know when. And sometimes, tragically, We can't even bring ourselves to believe that he's even on our case. Well, God's word to you and God's word to me is that he is on our case, that he is in the business of setting us free. God's word to you and me today is wake up, rouse yourself, wake up to the future that I have for you, the future that's coming over the next rise and around the next corner. Wake up. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Wake up. I am your God and I am doing things for you that you can't even begin to imagine. Wake up. And just recently, I was in a TV studio shooting some stuff, and at the end, I asked the camera guys if they'd do me a favour. There was a quick seven or eight minute video that I had to get down. You see, the Gideons, I'm sure you've heard of them, they're the guys who put all those Bibles in in hotel rooms around the world, and in fact they do much more than that. The Gideons are always inviting me to speak at their conferences to share the impact that one Gideon Bible had on one fateful day, a pivotal day in my life, a crucial day, back in February of 1995. It was a day when my life hung in the balance, the day that I stood on an eighth-floor hotel balcony and came this close to taking my own life. I'm not going to go into the whole story here. If you want to watch the video, head to YouTube and it's on the Christianity Works channel. The point is that my life to that point had been all about me. And so successful had I been in making myself happy that I stood just inches away from the end. But somehow through that Gideon Bible that I'd been reading the night before in my hotel room, thank God for the Gideons, God pulled me back inside and I dropped to my knees because I thought that's what you've got to do when you pray. And I prayed some half-baked, pathetic-sounding prayer that really didn't have a lot of faith mixed in with it, I have to tell you. I prayed, God, if you're out there, now would be a good time. That's all I had in me. And as things turn out, that's all it took. I'd been incredibly successful at business and at the work end of my equation But at the personal level, my life was falling apart to the point that I couldn't even see how I was going to make it through that day, let alone through the rest of my life. It doesn't get much lower than that in life, than that point at which the only outcome you can see is to end it. I guess I want you to understand how low and how desperate and how completely at the end of my tether that I was. And if you told me back then that I'd be sitting here with you, here, now, almost two decades on, 
And sitting here with millions of other people who are listening to this program on their local radio station this week somewhere around the world, telling you and telling them about the hope and the future that you have in Jesus Christ, man, I would have laughed at you. I would have been nuts. That would be so completely crazy and impossible for the man who was standing on the edge of that balcony. And my friend, that's exactly what God did. And he just doesn't do these things for the guy on the radio. There isn't some super spiritual class out there that somehow gets all the blessings from God. Radio, back then, that was an absolute impossibility. I was just this guy on my knees, completely at the end of my rope. Friend, God does this impossible stuff for bog, ordinary people like you and me. The ordinary, average man and woman and child, the people no one really knows or notices, because God is in the business of giving us a future. God is in the business of blessing us and transforming us and changing our lives, even when, especially when, we have difficult things to travel through. God is the God who has a plan for you. And, and my hunch is, I had to be no good to you telling you this story, telling you that God has a plan for you, unless I'd been on the edge of that ledge and on my knees at the end of my rope. God has a plan for you, a plan that fits you, who you are, what you're good at, the things you enjoy doing. It fits you like a glove. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, "'For surely I know the plans that I have for you,' says the Lord." plans for your welfare and not for your harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come to pray to me, I'll hear you. When you search for me, you'll find me. If you seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. He said that to his people Israel when they were on their knees, and at the end of their tether, your God is in the business of bringing you back from exile, back from the circumstances that seem impossible, back from the edge of the ledge, and returning you into the land of his promises, the land of his blessing, in a way that works perfectly for you. I don't know how he's going to do it in your life. I don't know what blessing looks like from God's perspective in your life. But I'll tell you this, he knows and he has a plan, and we've seen God's plan now through his word, God's word today. And I believe, I know that this word is for you. For surely I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for your harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. The Word of God for you. Well, that's about all that we have time for. But before we go, don't forget that you can receive Bernie's devotional fresh into your inbox each day. A powerful scripture verse together with some words of inspiration, hope, and encouragement to help you be all that God made you to be. You can watch the video, listen to the audio, or read the devotional. It's completely up to you. 
just stop by at ChristianityWorks.org and you'll find the fresh e-devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. And when you do subscribe, you'll immediately receive a free copy of Bernie's ebook, How Can I Hear God Speak to Me? That web address again is ChristianityWorks.org. I'm Jennifer, and you've been listening to Christianity Works with Bernie Dimat. Bernie Dimat.